In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome everyone to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. It's my podcast series on the Voice America Business Channel. And as a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the fifth official episode of my monthly podcast series, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. And if you want to find out more about me or my guests from my weekly radio show, feel free to listen on my website, carolcoaching.com, or go directly to the Voice America Business Channel. You can download the app, or you can always tune in using your favorite podcast app. Last month, I interviewed Karen Cody. We discussed female leadership, personal power, presence, and how this can work for us and against us. And today, my guest is Terry Real, back for the second time. Welcome, Terry. (laughs) Terry Real, redo. (laughs) It's wonderful to be here again with you, Amy. Same here. And listeners, you are in for a treat. Now, also, listeners, if you didn't get a chance to uh, have the opportunity to listen to my first conversation with Terry. You're going to definitely want to check that out as soon as we were finished listening to this one. You can find it on my website or Voice America Business Channel, and it's going to be dated from July 16th, 2021. So today, Terry and I are going to talk about his newly released book, which is called Us, Getting Past You and Me to Build a More Loving Relationship. Us is a groundbreaking guide to a new science-backed skill set one that will allow you to get past your knee-jerk reactions and tap into your wiser, more collaborative self. And listeners, if you don't know Terry, let me tell you a little bit about his incredible work. He's a nationally recognized family therapist, author, and teacher. And he's particularly known for his groundbreaking work on men and male psychology, as well as his work on gender and couples. He's been in private practice for over 30 years. And has appeared as the relationship expert in many sectors like Good Morning America, The Today Show, 2020, The Oprah Winfrey Show, and in the New York Times, among just a few. And in 1997, that is, he published the national bestseller, I Don't Want to Talk About It. Now, that's that book on male, uh, well, this one specifically was on the topic of male depression. Then it followed by How Can I Get Through to You, which explored the role of patriarchy in relationships. And then most recently, which is the book, How I First Found Terry, is The New Rules of Marriage, What You Need to Know to Make Love Work, a practical guide for couples and couple therapists. So that's what you're going to want to find out more about. Um, If you want to hear more about that, that's part of why you want to check out that last conversation I had with Terry. Plus, it was just very fun and we laughed a lot. (laughs) And I'm anticipating there'll be more to come. So um, Terry founded the Relational Life Institute. They said relational? Yeah. Friday afternoon, my brain's starting to (laughs) The Institute offers a training program for therapists as well as workshops for couples and individuals. And you can find out more about this directly on his website, terryreal.com. And that's T-E-R-R-Y-R-E-A-L.com. All right, Terry, let's get into it. You know, I remember when we talked back last year and you thought, okay, you know, maybe 
maybe that's it. Maybe I have no more books in me. And then I think it was Gwyneth Paltrow approached you and that was the, the seed that planted things. You know, you've written already all these other insightful and very actionable books. So, and then, and then, you know, this form of therapy you created, what possessed you other than Gwen's invitation, what possessed you and motivated you to write this book? Well, it's a funny thing. Um, first of all, here it is, uh, ladies and germs. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, the coming, uh, yeah. So um, the release date is 6-7. Um, what possessed me to write this book? I um, was with a my team from my school, and uh, we were talking about what I believed in. And uh, a very clever guy who works with us uh, asked me this question. He said, what do you believe in uh, that uh, uh, everybody, what don't you believe in that everybody else in the world believes in? Okay. And I said, I don't believe in the idea of an individual. I don't believe that we are individuals. Mm -hmm. I believe that the whole, what I've come to call in the book, toxic culture of individualism mm -hmm. is based on a lie. Mm -hmm. What we know from advances in neurobiology, brain science, uh, is that there's no such thing as self-regulation. Mm -hmm. We human beings are pack animals. We are, our nervous systems uh, regulate in concert. We regulate one another. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things I say in the book is, uh, it, it, you know, the so-called rugged individualist uh, is a, I, I go, I actually go into the history of the idea of the rugged individualist. It, um, it comes uh, in the Enlightenment period, and it is the creation of a bunch of white, uh, uh, rich, uh, powerful men. Uh, it, has, uh, it has a particular history, and it came from particular minds. Uh -huh. Neurobiologically, there's no such thing as a freestanding individual. I say, if you want to see a free, what a freestanding individual looks like, look at somebody in solitary confinement. Yeah. They go mad. We need the cues from one another to regulate our own nervous systems. Mm -hmm. And um, what the culture of individualism and the culture of patriarchy have colluded to do is give us this idea of me, 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 yeah. stripped yeah. of context, stripped of relationship. And what this book is about is what thinking like an individual does to our relationships and conversely what learning to think like a team can do for our relationships. Can I riff on this for a moment? Amy? Yeah, please go for right, it. Okay. I, 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 the, the title of the book is us versus you and me consciousness. Okay. And us consciousness uh, the, the remembrance that you are not an individual, but that you exist in a relationship is a function of the higher parts of our brain, prefrontal cortex, okay. the most mature part of our brain. And uh, I call this the wise adult part of us. 
And the wise adult part, you know, one of the things I say is the most important question I ask as a therapist when I'm talking to somebody is which part of you am I speaking to? Mm -hmm. Am I speaking to the present-based, here and now, thoughtful part of you? Or am I speaking to a subcortical, uh, triggered, trauma-infused, flooded, reactive part of you? That reactive part of you, I call the adaptive child part of you, or the you and me consciousness versus us consciousness. Okay. And here's how it works. Uh, We know that the autonomic nervous system scans our bodies four times a second. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? If the answer is yes, I'm safe, we stay centered in the wise adult part of us. We can observe, we can breathe, we can think, we can make deliberate choices. If the answer is no, I'm in danger, that part shuts down and more primitive parts of our nervous system take over, limbic system amygdala. And it's knee-jerk, fight or flight. It's not about us. It's about me. It's not about cooperation. It's about survival. And I automatically move into my uh, usual knee-jerk response. I call it your adaptive child part. Mm -hmm. This is the part of you that you created as a child to get by in whatever the circumstance was. It's how you adapted. It's a child's version of an adult, and it comes from your trauma. Yeah. You know, my friend Gabor Mate uh, uh, is fond of saying, you don't see the wound, you see the scar. Uh-huh. And the wounded child part of us, very young, is that part of us that just was on the receiving end of the trauma, wants to crawl in someone's lap and cry for a thousand years. The adult part of us, the, the wise adult part of us, is not triggered by trauma, but really here and facing what's in front of you. The adaptive child part of us is the part of us that we created to uh, cope with whatever was going on with us. It's not a mature adult. It's an immature version of what an adult looks like. And this adaptation, fight, flight, or fix, Mm -hmm. this adaptive part of us when we get trauma triggered, which happens a lot in relationships, right. Right. like instantaneous, is knee jerk, it's automatic, it feels like we have to do this or the world's going to come to an end. Yeah. And we repeat the same damn dysfunctional move that we make over and over and over again. And that fuels the vicious circles that couples get into. And what this book is about is learning about this automatic part of you that gets triggered, the adaptive, making friends with it, Uh becoming intimate with it, and ultimately demoting it. You are not in charge. I am driving the bus. And how to move from that automatic repetitive response in the heat of the moment into your wise adult self so that you can use relational skills that is the, the first skill of all. I call it relational mindfulness. Nice. And it is, it is like a, a mindfulness practice. Yeah. It's being aware 
of what's happening to you when you're triggered and coming out of the triggering enough. You may need to take a break to do this. Coming out of the flooding enough to take a breath and reach for a different uh, part of you. You know, I give workshops around the country, around the world. And uh, here's my favorite slide of the workshop. Other workshops teach you skills. We deal with the part of you that won't use them. <laughs> Brilliant. You, you got them in the, that way, right? <laughs> so this is about learning. You know, when you're in that automatic uh, trauma trigger, fight or flight, you're not going to use, I can give you three books on relational skills, but they're out the window the minute you're triggered. Right. This is about learning what to do in that moment. The, the work of relationship. You know, everybody says relationships take work, right? But the, nobody tells you what it is. The no. work of relationship is not even day-to-day, -day, it's minute to minute. Mm -hmm. This minute, right now, am I going to go with my triggering and scream and yell or shut down or whatever I usually do? Or am I going to take a breath and do something different? I, I know I've been, I've been riffing a lot, but can I finish by... And oh, then please. Can I tell you a story? Oh, I love your stories. Yes, I was hoping you would share a couple of them today. Good. So this is, uh, this is the story that I always use when I talk about what moving out of that adaptive child part of us into health looks like, feels like. Mm -hmm. Absolutely true story. As you know, my beat are couples on the brink of divorce that no one else has been able to help. Right. That's that's my meat and potatoes. People before COVID would fly in to see me and spend two days. And at the end of the two days, you're either on track or getting a divorce. Yeah. And what I noticed in these relational interventions is A, I broke all the rules I'd learned in school about how to do couples therapy. Right. And B, it was very successful. Yeah. And it was really out of that that my school of therapy, relational life therapy, got born, created. Anyway, so I've got a couple on the brink of divorce. Reason, the man in the couple is a pathological liar. Yeah. He lies about everything. His wife says to me, if you ask him what color his shoes is, he'll say, they're not shoes, they're sneakers. He'll lie about anything. You name it, he'll lie about it. Okay. Now, uh, I, he's one of these guys. He's a champion evader. It's like, he's one of these guys, I say to him, the sky is blue. He goes, well, Aquamarine. You know, he's not going to get her through me. I go through a couple of those. I know that the presenting problem is his lying. So what do I know? I know this guy has a black belt in evasion. Yeah. I'm a relational therapist. The, the automatic response that you have came from your childhood. It, and there's somebody on the other end of that seesaw. So if he's an evader, who is he evading? Okay. So I say to him, I say, show me the thumbprint and I'll tell you about the thumb. Yeah. So I, I say to him, who tried to control you growing up as a child? Right. If you don't know how you think, that sounds like a brilliant question. But all I'm doing is I know what the imprint is. Yeah. So I can ask what 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 the relationship was that he learned it in. Okay. Who tried okay. to control it? Sure enough, his father. Uh huh. Military man. How he ate, how he sat, how he dressed, what courses he took, what friends he had, everything. Okay. I say to him, 
how did you deal with this extraordinarily controlling father? He looks at me and smiles, and he says, I lied. Brilliant. Right. See, one of the things I teach my students is always be uh, respectful of the exquisite intelligence of the adaptive child. You did back then exactly what you needed to do to preserve your wholeness and integrity. Good for you. I don't know what the hell would have happened to you if you didn't lie to that. Good for you. Yeah. But I have a saying. Adaptive then, maladaptive now. Adaptive then, maladaptive now. Beautiful. Yeah. Your wife is not your father. You are not that little boy. Right. It's time for a change. Okay. So they come back two weeks later, absolutely true story. And they say, we're we're, we're cured. I go, okay. There's a story here. Tell me the story. He goes, my wife sent me to the grocery store for, say, 12 things. And true to form, I came back with 11. And she says to me, where's the pumpernickel? And he says, every muscle and nerve in my body was screaming to say they were out of it. And on this day, in this moment, I took a deep breath. I found my courage. I looked at my wife and I said, I forgot it. And she burst into tears. And she said, I've been waiting for this moment for 25 years. That's recovery. Like you said, moment to moment. Moment to moment. That's the promise of this book, is how to be that guy. How in this moment, when the reactivity is flooding through you, take a breath and reach for something more mature, more loving, more functional, and change the dance between you and your partner. Oh, Terry, that's really exciting. I'm not even in a relationship right now. I want to start reading it. (laughs) You know, uh, that's important to say because relationship skills, everybody thinks couples, but look, you're in relationship. True. You know, you have colleagues, you have friends, you have family, you have a pet, whatever. (laughs) It's all the same. The same relationship skills are all around you. So this is not just for... Uh, romantic uh, couples. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's true because the work I do, I'm often using it in when you talk about moment to moment in those exchanges with people who I I know I'm never going to see again, except for me, that's like a free workout. Put your ego to the side, Amy, act respectful. If they've got a snarky attitude, respond appropriately. And then, and maybe I get what I want. Maybe I don't. I still get the free workout. So. You know, that's a beautiful attitude. I got to tell you, there's a lot of wisdom in that attitude. But let me uh, uh, deconstruct some of what you just said. Yeah. First of all, you have a detachment from outcome. Yep. It's not about manipulating a particular result. It's about you working your program on mm. your side of the street. And then the other thing you're saying, which is beautiful, Amy, is um One of the things that I focus on in the book and all of my work uh, is not just, uh, I think this is one of our real contributions, if I can say this. Uh, 
for 50 years, the therapy, the self-help industry, et cetera, is focused on shame, helping people come up uh, from the one down of inferiority. Because I deal with intimacy and men, I'm equally focused on grandiosity. Yeah. Helping people come down from the one up of superiority. Yeah. And implicit in what you were saying, I want the listeners to get, you come down from grandiosity for your sake. Yeah. The son of a bitch taxi driver who is being snarky with you, that person may deserve to have somebody give them what for, but you, Amy Carroll, deserve to not be the person in the rage. Yeah. You deserve to come down from that. And I talk about this as a contempt-free life. Mm, as, that's beautiful. As, as a nonviolent life. Yep. Nonviolent between you and others and nonviolent between your ears. So I'll tell you my version of what you just said. Okay. Uh, I live in Boston, and Boston, statistically, there's black and white proof, uh, has the worst drivers in America. Really? Yeah. Now, I'm a New Yorker, and in New York, somebody cuts you off like a pig, and they speed up in the hell of them. In Boston, somebody cuts you off, and then they passive-aggressively drop down to 20 miles an hour, stick their butt in your face, and make you sit there and wait. So I got one of these Boston drivers, cuts me off, and then slows down, and I'm ready to kill him. Mm-hmm. I've got that. I'm looking at his fat little head through the windscreen, right? And, and I've got this Star Wars laser beam thing going on. <laughs> and I'm in a rage. I'm in a one up. He's an asshole. I'm full of contempt and I hate his guts. Now, as a younger man, uh, I would have pulled along beside and rolled down my window and let him have it. Yeah. Nowadays, on a good day, I would look at that fat little head. And I breathe myself down from that rage and judgment and contempt. We do a lot of breathing in relational work. Breathe myself, breathe into my heart. Breathe myself down from that one up. And as I'm saying that, I'm thinking, you may not deserve this. You may deserve somebody pulling next to you and telling you what a rotten driver you are, but I deserve it. I'm not doing this for you. I'm yeah. doing it for me. Yeah. And I teach my clients to come down from grandiosity for their sake. Yeah. You know what I say? I say, look, I grew up in a violent, contempt-drenched family. I internalized that contempt, as you know, from my books, and it became a depression I struggled with for 40 years. Wow. I played out that contempt in my relationships and burnt out more than a few. I don't need it. I don't need it. Not today. Yeah. Not today. Contempt? No. Not today. Yeah. And that's how I move into that same moment as that lying guy I'm doing with myself and my own relationship. I'm moving out of my automatic dysfunctional response Mm -hmm. to something more centered, more mature and ultimately more joyful and loving. And this is how we become wise. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, um, as you were speaking about the grandiosity, uh, is that how you used it, grandiosity? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I wonder, I was thinking, what has allowed me, because even though I'm female, I I see how I have more of that big ego and of, of a stereotypical 
male. And I sometimes think, you know, where does that come from? And I, so I think that it's partly due to all of the privileges I've had in my life, white, wealthy, healthy, educated, and that I have this theory. I don't know if I shared it with you when we spoke before, where um, the more privileges we have, the more likely we're to lead to feeling entitlement. And if we feel entitled, we're going to become JLBs. And I call this jerk-like behavior. (laughs) You know, I have a saying, uh, what's worse uh, than a thoroughgoing narcissist? I don't know what. A thoroughgoing narcissist with money. (laughs) (laughs) True. It's true. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the specifics because if nothing else, Terry, you are a man full of actionable items that are so there. And I really want to give the listeners some juicy um, examples or suggestions. So you can connect with the Terry, listeners, you want to find out more about him directly on his website, terryreal.com, or you can reach out to him via LinkedIn. And listeners, if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, join me for my online leadership presence course. You can find details on my website, carolcoaching.com. When we come back from break, we'll be hearing more from Terry. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favourite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behaviour changes in voice, body language, words and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, Back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back. My guest today is Terry Real, nationally recognized family therapist, author, and teacher. We've been discussing the release of his new book, Us. Now, Terry, I have the tagline, getting past you and me to building a more loving relationship. Is that the tagline or is there a... a yeah, that's it. Okay, good. And uh, let's just jump into it. Um, where should we start with the applicable stuff? I know you talk a lot about the adaptive child and the wise adult and the distinctions between those that really caught my interest though. I'm going to let you lead. Look, what I want people to uh, walk away with is the cultivation of what I call us consciousness. 
the remembrance uh, that you're in the relationship. The essence of toxic individualism, what the word means to be an individual is separate from nature. That's what it means to be an individual. Wow. And the, the uh, key uh, dis- distortion of individualism is that I stand apart from nature and that fuses with patriarchy, which of course I've been writing about for 40 years. And the key delusion of patriarchy is not only am I apart from nature, but I'm above nature. I dominate it and control it. You know, at least in the King James version, God gives Adam dominion over everything that creeps and crawls and flies on this earth. Really bad idea. We are not control of anything. And this, what Rianne Eisler calls power over model is killing us. Whether you think that you need power over nature in the shape of your partner, controlling your partner, controlling your kids, controlling your body, I've got to lose five pounds, controlling your mind, I've got to be more positive. This control model we are over nature and in control of it is killing us. And literally, you know, I, I start in the book with biology, with what goes on in our brains. I then talk about the history of individualism. And then most of the book is about relational skills, which I'm going to get to in a minute. And then I talk big picture about society, about racism, about patriarchy, and about our uh, screwed up relationship to nature. If we don't realize that we are not above and in control of nature, that we are inside and dependent in, of nature, we're going to kill ourselves. Yeah. We're going to kill this planet. So this is a big idea. And it's as big as how we think about the planet. And it's as granular as how you handle uh, your kid or your partner in, in the living room. One of the things I say, Amy, is, you know, we may not have the power to bring peace to Ukraine, but we do have the power to bring peace to our living rooms. So let's start there. And let me tell you how. You remember love. The way out of this you and me win-lose power struggle is to remember that the person you're speaking to is the person you love and not the enemy and that you're you're speaking to make things better remember the relationship will pull you out of that triggered survival mode into the wise perspective it's like this our relationships are our biosphere okay we don't live outside of them we live inside of them yeah and so in a in a triggered moment Uh, I can choose to indulge my anger and have a temper tantrum over here, but I'm going to breathe in that pollution in my partner's withdrawal over here. We're linked. Uh, There's no escape. I'm in it. I'm not above it. And so I don't talk about win-lose power struggles. I talk about taking care of your biosphere. Nice. It isn't that you win and I lose. It's that I'll make the sacrifice for our relationship because I depend on that relationship. You know, happy, uh, happy spouse, happy. So I'll have some big burly guy 
and he'll say to me, well, why should I work so hard just to please my wife? And I'll go, excuse me, because you live with her? Okay, dummy? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I don't talk about altruism. I talk about enlightened self-interest. It's in yeah. my interest to keep you happy. First of all, I love you and I don't want you to be happy, but more important than that, because I live with you. Mm-hmm. And that's like what I call keeping your head in the game, keeping your eyes on the prize, like keeping your wits about you. You know, this is how I say it. Uh, Belinda, my wife Belinda and I, 37-year marriage, we've been in recovery, relational recovery, this right. deep relational work for 30 years. And we're fighters. Uh, we both grew up in violent families. When we were young, we would fight for a week at a time. Right. Nowadays, if we start to square off, one or the other of us will take a break. 10, 15, 20 minutes, and then come back. It, we take turns, and it's not always one or the other. And we sound something like this. Honey, do you want to fight? I don't really want to fight. You want to fight? Can, can we Can we exit this program? What, what, what do you need? Yeah. And then Belinda will go, well, Terry, you really could admit you were an asshole about blah, 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 blah. And I'll go, oh, okay, okay. I, you're right. I could, I could have done that better. I'll say, okay, what do you need? And go, well, you know, you could say you're sorry for blah, blah, blah. Well, I'll say I'm sorry for blah. <laughs> and I'll take it. <laughs> the other two blahs she won't cop to, but I'll take the one. <laughs> good enough. All right, good. Let's go make some tea. Now, what I'm thinking when I make peace with my wife yeah. in that moment is literally this. I'm thinking, how do I want to spend my evening? Do I want to spend my evening fighting with this woman? Right. Or would I rather cuddle on the couch and watch something cool on TV or call a right. friend? Right. And uh, that is my wise adult. Like, what the hell are you doing? Hmm. Wake up. Take care of your biosphere. But you have to remember to think like a team in order to pull that off. And when you're in that triggered fight or flight, you forget that you're a team. Right. So you remember that you're, I call it remembering love. You know, you uh, the relational answer to the question, who's right and who's wrong, who cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> when you're thinking relationally, yep. what are we as a team going to do to make this work for both? And once you have that consciousness that yeah. you're a team and not to adversarial individual, everything change. For example, here, here's the, I'll do some, if the, here's one, the difference between Amy, stop talking to me like that. Or saying, Amy, I want to hear what you have to say. Could you tone it down so I could listen? Nice. Two ways of saying the same thing. Yeah. Or the difference between saying, I need more sex in this relationship. And saying, honey, we deserve to have a good sex life. What do we need to do to resurrect this thing? Beautiful. Two ways of saying the same thing. Yep. But one is aggressive and it's me, me, me. Yep. And the other is empowering both of us. Yeah. It's what, Packaging. I, call, it's what I call relational power. Beautiful. Now, you want some concrete skills. Let me yeah. give you. When you are faced with someone, partner, colleague, whatever, in a state of disrepair with you, they're unhappy with you. Right. You have one job to help them get happier. Mm -hmm. Why is that your job? Because you live with them. It's mm -hmm. in your interest. Repair is not a two-way conversation. Everybody gets this wrong. Yes. 
repair is a one-way street. If you are faced with an unhappy partner, get your ego out of the way and help them come back into harmony with yeah. you. Okay? Uh, I like to say, w- w- when you're faced with a partner in disrepair, you're at the customer service window. Mm-hmm. Somebody comes to you at the customer service window and says, my microwave doesn't work. They don't want to hear you say, well, my toaster doesn't work. <laughs> Fix the, goddamn, fix the goddamn mic. Take care of your partner. And don't do it because you're giving in. Do it out of your own enlightened self. Yeah. Interest. Yeah. Okay. All right, now look. So you're faced with an unhappy partner. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the world goes to two reference points. The first reference point is objective reality. Well, what Amy said, this sentence is true, but that's not true. That's half true. Well, that's true, but you have to understand that. And we're referencing everything you say against the map of what's real. Okay, here's a bitter pill. You ready? Yeah. Objective reality has no place in personal relationships. (laughs) Ouch. It's great for getting buses to run on time. It's irrelevant in personal Which one of us is right and which one of us is wrong is not the point. No. The point is, how are we going to work this out? Terry, what do you, how do you handle it when your clients say to you the famous phrase, but it's not fair? Yeah, I don't give a damn about fair. Yeah, me neither. I don't give a damn about fair. You know, I, I have a saying, uh, you can be right or you can be married. What's more important yeah. to you? <laughs> what I say, Terry, is uh, to them, well, you know, life, we already know life is not fair. And I'm pretty sure that if life was fair, you would not have the life you have currently. And, you know, so pointing out to them that they probably in the balance of things, they're probably on the upside of stuff. And it's only when things tip, you know, this way, suddenly they notice. How about the other 95 percent of the time? Right. That's so, good. Thanks. <laughs> well, what what I talk about is uh, we don't do victims. Mm. That's big victim talk. Yep. And you know, unfortunately, there are victims. I mean, in, you, people get raped, people get killed, whatever. Right. No, we're talking about but that. But in, in our daily life, you are not a victim. Yeah. Being a victim is I'm a small force being moved about by larger forces over which I have no control. Don't blame me. It's the larger forces. And uh, no, 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 no. But so, okay, so uh, this isn't fair. This isn't right. This isn't accurate. That's our first reference. Our second reference is ourselves. I can't believe what a pain in the ass this is. I have to put up with this. I'm being victimized by Amy. Here she goes again. What I teach people to do is deliberately take a breath and trade in those two references, what's objectively true and me for this one. And if you're listening, grab a pencil and jot this down. Ready? This this is what I want you to trade it in for. Compassionate Mm -hmm. curiosity about your partner's subjective experience Mm -hmm. compassionate curiosity about the other person's experience and it sounds like this amy i'm sorry i'm sorry you feel bad i don't want you to feel bad yeah which is true right i love you I, i don't want you to feel bad and tell me more about what's going on yeah and then if you really want an a plus 
is there something I could say or do that will help you feel better? Ding, 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 ding. And Terry, when you talk about subjective experience, that takes the black, white, right, wrong off the table. Anybody can have any experience they want. It doesn't mean I intentionally did something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Intentionally. Yeah. Terry, when you showed up to our interview without a tie and a jacket, uh, I got myself feeling uh, devalued. Like uh, you think this is a casual gig. And, you know, if you were, if you were being interviewed by Katie Couric, you probably would have dressed up. Uh, my feelings are really hurt. Gee, Amy, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry your feelings were hurt. I can understand how thinking that way your feelings would be hurt. That's gold. Yeah. I can understand how you might feel like that. Who says yeah. that? Yeah. What a healing thing to say. Yeah. Tell me more about it. And you know what? Is there anything I could say or do that might help you feel better? That's moving for repair. All relationships are in endless dance of harmony, disharmony, and repair. Mm -hmm. Closeness, disruption, and a return to closeness. And all the skills are moving from disrepair back into repair. That's where we need to be on our toes. And what complicates things is when you move into disrepair, you, you lose that wise adult and you get reactive. And that's when yeah. you need to take a breath and remember, wait a minute, Amy is making up that uh, my casual dress is an insult to her. Well, that's not my reality, but it is her reality. Poor baby. Okay. Uh, what's it like to feel so insulted? I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm at your service. I want you to feel better. Who does that? Right. Nobody, unless they've been trained to, because that's not the way the culture works. Right. But that is the secret sauce that will heal these little rifts. And we move from harmony to disharmony to repair 20 times in one dinner conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, this happens all day long. So uh, this is about taking those moments where the stitches dropped and restitching them versus taking these moments where the stitches dropped and escalating into a three-day battle. Yeah. So, you know, and you explain in the book and you've talked about it here, how some of the work for people is individually healing that the trauma of childhood. Uh, some of it is in the moment one, I hear breathing Two, shift to love. Um, and then this, I would say it, if you're, you might be feeling, well, I guess if I've breathed and I've focused on love, it would be authentically easier for me to remember. I don't want this person to be in pain. I don't want to have a miserable evening and then being generous. You may need to take a walk. Yeah. You, you may need to physically take a break. Yeah. I have people taking breaks all day long. Splash some water on your face. Go yeah. for a run along. Do some breathing. Do some yoga. Do some yeah. tapping. There, there, there are whole books about how to uh, re-regulate when you've been dysregulated. Right. Uh, use, use those techniques. But my favorite technique, Amy, is talking to the little girl that's been triggered. Mm. Putting You've that got little the, Terry inside. I remember you talked about little Terry <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I'm a fighter. That my adaptive child is a fighter. I grew up in a violent family. 
and screw me, screw you. Yep. Uh, I, I tell this story about my early stage recovery back when my kids were little, they're in their thirties now, but I'd be on the road and Belinda has a full-time practice. She's a, a practicing therapist. She'd be stuck with the kids. I'd come home after five, six days on the road and she would be overwhelmed and fit to be tied. Right. I'd open the door and there'd be this whoosh of self-righteous indignation coming off my young, young wife. You know, I can't believe it. You leave me with these kids. You didn't even call them. And uh, her wish would trigger my wish. And uh, I, I like to say my body would want to bop her in the nose. But being a feminist and an enlightened guy, I would uh, relegate myself to verbal abuse. Who the hell do you think you are? I, gonna, I come home after being on the road teaching all those people how to love each other. And I have to put up with this bullshit for me. <laughs> So we don't sound like that anymore, right. you know, for a few minutes, a few times a year. But back then, it literally a voice would come to me, the voice of my wise adult, when I'm in the middle of that whoosh, that rage. And the voice, here's what it said to me, shut up. Mm-hmm. It's called a containing boundary. Shut up. Now breathe. Mm-hmm. Put up a boundary, protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And we go into how to use boundaries in the book. Yeah. Uh, Belinda's having a bad day. You don't have to make her a bad day. You're a bad day. Mm-hmm. You're self-centered. Come down from that rage. Now, from this place, say something constructive. And I would say to my wife, okay, sweetheart, you're overwhelmed. I get it. You sit down. Let me pour you a glass of wine. I'll put the kids to bed and we'll sit and talk you're you're off duty but i would only be able to do that rather than get defensive and reacting right. kind if i did if i did my inner work mm. and that's the work that we're uh talking about that's a moment of recovery yeah 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 that's beautiful so we have a few minutes left i'd love to hear some more um of these golden nuggets that you want to share Okay. Maybe even a story. I, I've been talking about um, aggressive reactive behavior. Right. The other side of the coin is shutting down. Yeah, true. Big, big for men in particular. Mm-hmm. Just drop down the wall. So uh, here's a little tip. It's what I call responsible distance taking uh, versus provocative distance taking. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, the way most people take distance is just take it. I'm gone. Bye. This conversation's over. I'm walking out of the room. Yeah. Or I'll sit there and be six inches away from you, but I'll be totally stonewall. Right. I'm okay with distance. As a relational therapist, people think I'm all about closeness, but the, the play of distance and closeness is what makes intimacy real. Yeah. But if you're going to take distance, here's a tip for your listeners. Take care of your partner. Yeah. I'm taking distance. Here's why. And here's when I'm coming back. So you're in bed with your partner and they want to talk about little Timmy. It's 1130 at night and you want to go to sleep. What do you say? Uh, Don't do that. I want to hear what you're saying about little Timmy. Uh, I'm dead tired. I can't hear it now. Let's 
talk about it over breakfast tomorrow. And then you damn well better show up at breakfast tomorrow. Let's talk about it. That's called responsible distance taking. And it's a principle. And the principle is this. Take care of your partner. Under patriarchy, this is what I want to maybe leave you with today. Okay. Under patriarchy, you can either be connected or you can be powerful, but you can't be both at the same time. Wow. Because power is power over. Mm-hmm. When you step into power, you break connection. So the traditional setup is connection, accommodation, being nice, quote-unquote feminine, assertion, aggression, independence, quote-unquote masculine, not, never the twain. Okay. What I want uh, people to start to practice is what I call soft power, loving, awesome. loving power, taking care of your partner and standing up for yourself in the same breath. Honey, you know what, Amy? I want to be close to you. When you call me a goddamn pig that pushes me across the hall, could you apologize for that and bring me closer in? I would really like that. Sounds like that. Stand up for yourself and cherish the relationship in the same breath. Mm -hmm. That moves beyond patriarchy. That is a new frontier. And I will tell you a story. Okay. Young couple, heterosexual couple, classic situation. He wants sex all the time. She wants sex none of the time. They're killing each other. Like any good therapist, I get them talking about not just frequency, and but what sex means to them. And unfortunately, like a lot of men, this guy filtered almost all of his emotional needs through sex. Sex meant he was desirable. She liked him. The relationship was okay. You know, he was, he was tenderly treated, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Two weeks later, they come in and they say, the sex thing, we got it knocked. And they did. They had other issues, but the sex thing. Okay, there's a story. The next two days after the session, my husband came to me and said, sex, 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 sex. And whereas normally I would have been on the other side of the room, I took a breath, I walked over to him and I gave him a big kiss. I looked him in the eye and I said, listen, honey, the first thing I want you to know is I think you are really hot. You are so sexy. You're such a good man. You're so handsome. You're so sweet. You're so big hearted and connect. I love you. You're powerful to me. I adore you. Oh, by the way, I don't want to have sex tonight. I think you are such a great guy. And to his amazement, true story, the young man went like this. Okay. <laughs> The other needs met. <laughs> Didn't know I had them. She was so cherishing of him. Wow. While she said no and stood up for herself. Wow. That it went down like ice cream. And this is what I teach people in the book. Love your partner. Empower your partner. Who says that? I want you to come through for me. What could I do to help you come through for me? Yeah. And uh, love them, love your love the relationship, be cherishing and be assertive all in the same breath. That is a revolution. That's a new world order. It truly is. Soft power, loving power. Yeah. And I and I love how you bring in the importance of what you call boundary setting and taking care of yourself, because and that goes back to the beginning of the book of first 
you know, healing ourselves, put your mask on yourself and then you can help others, you know, and then knowing, okay, I've taken care of myself and now I can be generous and loving towards the other. There's a lot in the book about working on your relationship to yourself. Wow. You know, your relationship to yourself is a relationship. Right. And you can work on it just like you work on your external. Like, for example, how many of the people listening right now are harsh to themselves? Yes. Yeah, I know people and I'm, oh my gosh, it's brutal to watch. Yeah. And um, uh, one of the things, uh, you know what, those who are watching and listening, if you get nothing from this today, then this one thing I want you to get this. There is no redeeming value in harshness. There is nothing that harshness does that loving firmness doesn't do better. Mm-hmm. So if you're harsh to others, if they're harsh to you, and if you're harsh to yourself, yep. stand up to it. Yep. When I'm hard, it's just that adaptive child part of me, that little boy giving me a hard time. Yeah. When that part of me does, I say to him, listen, sweetheart, you may have a point that I need to listen to, but say it like you're on my side. Right. Say it kindly. Yeah. yeah. And, at 71 years old, Amy, I have a deal with the universe. If it's not kind, I'm not interested. I love it. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm taking that on. Oh, Terry, this has been an absolute delight. Thank you for sharing so openly with all of this. Thank you. And listeners, you know, I, you know, I invite you to send me your communication conundrums. We may be able to apply some of Terry's wisdom to them your clashes, your challenges, your mishaps, your blunders, and your successes, because we want to learn from those too. And you can do that via email or social media. You can reach out to me on amy at carolcoaching.com. And if you want to reach out to Terry, you want to find out more about him. I know he, Terry, do you have programs coming up that you're going to be offering? I know you're going to be on the road. I do. I do. You know, we've got a two-year training program for therapists who want to learn this methodology and a very, very uh, rich uh, training. And I'm going to be offering us workshops to the general awesome. public starting this summer. Okay, yeah. great. So uh, listeners, check that out for sure. And be sure to switch on, tune in, listen up and be inspired next month. I'll be interviewing another fabulous guest. Check out more information on my website, carolcoaching.com or my social media channels, Amy Carol Coaching. Thank you, Terry. It's been a wonderful conversation. Absolute joy as always, Amy. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carol on the Podset podcast series of Voice America. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.